0: Just to mention to you, for your information, you don't have to move. But the ventilation blows down in the centre block, so if you're under the ceiling, you're not getting the ventilation. Just if you want to be more comfortable, but otherwise, do you may take your seats. Thank you very much, and thank you to everybody for the worship this afternoon. Now today's a, a happy, happy day for me, and also a sad day for me. I wanna, uh, well, it's gonna be the last time I preach for a while because um, just the way the rotor's working. Uh, There's other preachers coming in, and then I'm getting married, and then I'm going off on honeymoon, and (laughs) hallelujah. So that's all good, and so I'm excited to be preaching, because I love preaching, um, and I hope that I share a word with you today that challenges you and and releases you into experiencing the blessing and fullness that God has prepared for you. It's also a very sad day. Now, you know, for a number of years, I've been leading the 2.30 service, 2.30 service, but before that, Christian Lythe and his team were leading the 2.30 service with Harry George as our worship leader. Um, and some of you will know that Harry George passed away on Tuesday during the week. Uh, they do have a photo, so for those of you that perhaps don't know the name but know the face, Harry led worship here in the service for about four or five years before going over to lead worship at the coroner and on the Saturday night. And he is sowed very much into the worship life of the church and here into this service in specific. And so we're mourning his past, and he's been suffering for the last two years from cancer. Um, went to be with the Lord, and he uh, was going to be celebrating his life on Wednesday. So for those of you who know Harry, you're most welcome to come and join us. it will be here in KT at 10.30. But he was a man that was passionate for God, loved Jesus with all of his heart, and he was my first cell leader. So it means a lot to me. Uh, I came and sat here on the front row a number of years ago, 2004. He was the first guy to come and speak to me and say, you know what, you need to get in cell. And from that time on, 18 months... He uh, discipled me and made sure that I'm here today. And a lot of what I'm going to share with you and minister today comes directly from what he's put into my heart and into my life through the way that he's personally discipled me. And so um, this is a tribute to him, my opportunity for a tribute to him, but I hope that it also challenges and inspires us today. Now, I'm already aware that some of you have taken last week and put it into practice. I spoke on uh, inspiring people around you. How can that which God has placed in you become something which you flow out of and flow with to see other people released into their ministries? And have had a few people come back immediately and say, you know what? I've been thinking about what gift I can bring to the church and the talents that God has placed in me and how I can apply them. And so that really is encouraging. The only thing that I would add to that is keep persevering. If you decide that you want to give something to God, keep going. Keep Don't get knocked back at the first opportunity, but rather keep pressing in until you see that gift functioning as God has purposed in His body. Now today, I want to minister to you on this topic of being planted and flourishing in the house of God. And this is about how each one of us can flourish and benefit from what is on offer at your church. And these principles will hold true whatever church, whatever house the Lord places you in. Now, you're all here today, uh, many uh, faces that I recognize, I know that you consider Kensington Temple your home church. But if you're visiting today as well, do consider these principles and how they apply to you. And we're going to unpack some interesting issues, the issue of independence, the issue of belonging to a church, the wrestle of discipleship and how we deal with discipleship issues in our heart. And how do we begin to bring the real us to church? One of our goals or one of our purposes is to enable people to be themselves. Now that's not themselves fully controlled by sin. We're here in the business of seeing people liberated from sin. But how do we enable people to become the real them or to live out the real them? We're conscious, as I'm sure you're conscious, that people will often come to church with a, a, a facade, a presentation, This is my Sunday face. You should see my Monday face. But we want people to be enabled to bring their Monday face to church on a Sunday so that eventually their Sunday face becomes their everyday face. The joy that they experience or the way that they face challenges, the the, the the gifts and the talents or the character that the Lord places on the inside of them, enabling them to walk through storms, walk through challenges, while still knowing the joy of the Lord and the glory of the Lord in their daily life. And so our purpose today is to enable that. How do we plant ourselves in the house and get everything out of the house that God has intended, including bringing back our own strength for um, the benefit of the wider wider church, which is what we looked at last week. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the Scriptures. Father, we thank you for the privilege, Father, of, of sitting under your word today, and we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each person, to each heart, including mine, Father, that we would receive a revelation today. Lord, whether there has been things that we've been wrestling with or issues that we've been facing and we've not known how to deal with them or or things that... We've just wondered, why hasn't my potential been recognized? Why hasn't my gifting been recognized? Lord, that we begin to see how those can be developed and released, Lord God. And Lord, that your name would be glorified in and through us, Father, as we plant in your house and flourish for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. reading to you as a beginning from Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm planted, and I'm going to flourish. Now, do you believe it? (laughs) I hope so by the end, because God wants to do something in your life. He wants to release everything. This is part of what we spoke about last week, every potential that he's placed in you, he wants to release for the purposes of your fulfillment in your walk as a Christian, but then also bringing your strength and life to the church. And so I want to take for the foundation uh, of this message the analogy of the the field, the sower, and the seed. Now, you could draw parallels if you chose to with the parable of the sower. But we're going to look at the seed, the soil, the watering of the Holy Spirit, the seasons that we face, and how we deal with other seeds. And hopefully, each one will become relevant to you as we get to the relevant sections. I want to begin at the seed phase, the place of potential. Now, Jesus, when he first sent out his disciples into uh, the areas surrounding them to minister the gospel, he said, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, when we speak about the kingdom of God, we're speaking about all that God intends for us to experience through our lives as Christians. And a lot of people make the mistake, perhaps, of focusing too much on one aspect of their Christian faith and not enough on the other aspects. Most people will find that they find themselves in the place of dealing with character issues or issues of uh, overcoming sin and, and conquering sin. And that is an important part. Walking in righteousness is an important part of our Christianity, Christian faith. But there are other aspects of our Christian faith which are just as important and actually really the entrance point into, into the Christian experience. The Lord has given us a gift of righteousness so that we can begin to experience the things of the kingdom of God. And they look like, the fruit of the Spirit, which are supernatural, and the gifts of the Spirit, which are supernatural. Now, if you think about the fruit of the Spirit, you could turn to Galatians 5:22 and 23. We don't have to today, but you would turn there to begin to read through um, Paul's list concerning the nine fruits of the Spirit that he de- uh, defines in that section. And many of you would look at those nine. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control, all of those different ones and think, oh, you know what, I've, I've, got, I've got goodness in me. I've got love in me. I've got hope in me. Um, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But there is an aspect of those which are supernatural. They are not just good Christian attributes or good behaviors, but they are actually, when you're facing situations, overflowing with the fruits of the Spirit in contradiction to those situations. So loving your enemy would be an overflow of a fruit of the Spirit in a contradictory situation. Having hope in the midst of a situation where it seems all hope has been taken away, that is a supernatural evidence of hope in your life. Choosing meekness when you could choose to respond with pride, which we're going to be looking at in the five o'clock service. Choosing meekness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that is born in a contradictory circumstance. They're entirely supernatural fruit. And the gifts of the Spirit are entirely supernatural gifts. Speaking in tongues, prophesying, praying for the sick and seeing them healed, having faith in an impossible situation, interpreting tongues. All of these different gifts of the Spirit, again listed in 1 Corinthians 12, again nine listed there, all of them supernatural. Part of the supernatural life of the kingdom of God So if we end up focusing too much on our righteousness without any focus on the fruits of the Spirit or upon the gifts of the Spirit, perhaps we are only growing in a certain way concerning our Christian faith. There's much potential. There's much potential in you. Now those fruit and those gifts originate somewhere. They originate with the one Holy Spirit that you receive when you come to receive Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 speaks of the fact that it is the same Spirit that gives these gifts and these fruits. It is the same Spirit which functions in and through you. You see, the moment you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit equals God. Not just a lesser partner Oh. You know what? You've got the the big guns. You've got the Father and you've got the Son and then you've got the lesser partner, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us. No, not at all. See, the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son are equal. Equal in nature. Equal in power. Equal. They have different functions, but they're equal. And we have the Holy Spirit now dwelling on the inside of us. Now that same Holy Spirit, Places in you the full potential of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that is within you, the gifts that we've just spoken about shortly, the fruit that we've just spoken about briefly, those being released through you all originate with the potential that is placed on the inside of you, or shall we say, seed. Now, that seed needs to flourish, it needs to be given the opportunity to grow. Every single one of you have a unique calling and a unique gift mix on your life, but you were all introduced into the potential of this kingdom through the common rebirth experience, the new birth that is available for everybody. All of you have been brought into that kingdom through that belief in Jesus Christ, repenting from your sin and receiving Him as your Lord and Saviour. You've all been brought into that kingdom through the act of water baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that has placed you as somebody who has potential to contribute vibrantly and powerfully to the kingdom. You might ask yourself the question then, Gabriel, you're talking about being planted, you're talking about flourishing, but why do I need to do that in the church? What has the church got to do with that? I mean, I'm doing a pretty good job on my own. This is about seeing your full potential being released. In the same way that we are introduced to the kingdom by this common supernatural rebirth, we are nurtured, developed, and refined in these fruits and giftings through the common supernatural agent of Christ in the earth. That is the body of Christ, the church. It is that body which Christ has called you to have relationship with. It is this body which specifically Christ has placed you in. And we're all called to function as a part of that body for the glory of Jesus, but also for the fulfillment of our purpose in life. 1 Corinthians twelve twelve through 14 says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that, of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For one, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether we were Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, And we have been all made to drink in one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. We've been taken, filled with the Holy Spirit, placed in a body. And it's that body, or if we're going to look at the analogy for today, the soil that we have been placed in for the purpose of growth or well, you might say oh, well we we are we're part of the church universal Gabriel that's what we receive we're baptized in water baptized in the holy spirit we're part of the church universal the entirety of the representation of the body of Christ right throughout the earth but i want to make a case for you today that it is in the interest of the lord to develop you to be all that you can be at a much more profound level than the anonymous billions but rather how do you grow in the soil of your local church how do you grow in intra with other Spirit-filled disciples? How do you see your full purpose and function released through them? See, some might say, you know what? God saved me, and I just happen to fall wherever it seemed appropriate for me to fall. But I would suggest to you that actually the Holy Spirit has directly and delicately placed each one of you in a place where he intends for you to grow. See, a good gardener or a good farmer will specifically and intentionally take a seed and sow it in the place where it's going to grow the best. If it is a plant which requires sunlight, he's hardly going to go plant it in the shade. If it is a a plant which requires much water, he's hardly going to go and plant it in the desert. See, the, the Holy Spirit supernaturally works it together so that we get placed in exactly the right place at the right time so that we can flourish. There is always intentionality in where the Lord places you. And he places you in soil. Now, when you come into Kensington Temple, I've seen this so many times. People come in and their jaw drops. And they're like, oh my God, this place is amazing. I mean, we've had people walk in who've never been to church before as soon as they cross that threshold they can't even explain it but they're just weeping I don't, I don't know what's going on but just, it doesn't feel so good in this place and they sit down and they're like oh my god we had one, one lady come in a few months ago and she, she came from quite a broken background and she was sat there just like tears running down her face oh my god is this what Jesus is like and turns to her neighbour and says how do I receive Jesus how do I receive this Jesus? And there was this great exuberance and, and joy because she was in a, a new place with the Lord. And it was amazing, and she got the goosebumps and fell all warm and tingly. Any of you felt that? How long did it last? See, when the Lord places us, He places us in soil. He places us specifically. He places us purposefully. And that first instance when we're placed, we feel the warmth and the comfort and the joy of the soil that we're placed in. But you know, there's always going to be a challenge. If you're a seed today, there's always going to be a challenge to you. And that first challenge is, when are you going to die? See, a seed contains within it full potential. Potential. The smaller seed contains the fullest potential to become the big oak tree, or the mustard tree, or the palm tree, or the apple-bearing trees. Everything is contained within that seed, but that seed needs to die in order for that potential to be released. What does that look like? It looks like the genuine, okay God, you know what, I'm not messing around anymore. A young man came to me just last week and he said, you know what, again, in tears, I just can't mess around anymore. I need God, I need to walk with God. It's coming to God and saying, I'm not messing around anymore. My life is yours, I'm a living sacrifice unto you. Search as I am, work in me, work through me, let me partner with you for the demonstration of your will. Now that step, that commitment, to the soil, that commitment to the ground is the beginning of the shedding of independence. See, a seed, it looks very pretty, but it only has potential. For that seed to become exactly who it's called to be, it has to surrender independence and die. And in that dying process, it gets messy. It even gets ugly. But it's necessary for the purposes of God to be released through you. What is it that brings about that death? And I'll put this out there for you. A lot of people are quite willing to pray that prayer. You know, God, I surrender. Take everything. Take whatever you need. But let me tell you what hastens that first death. And it's something that every plant has to go through. It's the first season change. It's the first time that that soil that we're in, the great experience, the the great joy that we first had, appears as if it gets frozen. Maybe it might feel like, you know what, God's just stopped speaking to me. I could hear His voice really clear when I started out here, but just I, I, I can't hear His voice anymore. Maybe the blessings that flourished so early on apparently stop. Maybe it's the first challenge you have with um, a brother or a sister in the faith. Maybe it's your first friends that you were first friendly with in the house they just seem to disappear. Maybe you get offended. This is where Harry really helped me because in the first six months, I got offended. Offended with many people. Offended with Christian. Because Christian, as you know, is a firebrand evangelist. I was just like some dude that just wanted to do my own thing. And a few times Christian would look at me in the eye and say, you need to deal with this or you need to do that. And I'd just be like, who does Christian think he is? I know none of you would ever have done that. never would have done that but there I was you know what Harry you know what this guy thinks he can tell me to do what I need to do thinks he knows best you know what I'm a man and Harry just looked at me in a way that only Harry can for those of you who know him and he goes shut up bro you need to fix up that offense is going to deal with you and you're going to end up out the church I was just like all right okay and so I went home dealt with my offense and I'm still here hallelujah we you see that first frost, that first challenge, that a first offense at your pastor or your cell leader, that first challenge to your faith when a prayer goes unanswered, that's the time when you start to ask this question, did God really say that this is supposed to be my church? Did God really say that I'm supposed to be a Christian? Now, don't look at me like I'm talking rubbish because I know all of you have asked yourself that question. Amen? I asked it, but I need to let you know, if you're asking that question, you're asking the wrong question. If you've ever found yourself to be somebody that is nomadic about church, and there are a fair few people in London that are nomadic about church. I mean, you could come into London and go to the Hillsong 11 o'clock service and have the big show, and then you could come here to the 2.30 service and get some of that practical Christian life teaching and then you might go to the evening service at HTB and just go chill on the bean bags and relax and have this nice dark atmosphere while they play great music to you. If you've ever been a nomad and asked yourself that question and ended up moving on, or if you've ever faced one of those situations that I described to you just now, or if you find yourself backslidden and walking into church thinking, you know what God, I'm gonna give this a go, I want you to listen up. See, because that first frost, that first issue that you face, that first challenge which comes against you has nothing to do with whether God loves you or not. It has nothing to do with whether people love you or not. It has nothing to do with whether you've made a mistake in choosing church or even choosing Christ. Those situations are the declaration to you. They are not a declaration They are not a declaration that you don't have giftings. They are not a declaration that you don't have qualities or characteristics which God is going to use in you. That first freezing experience is designed to cause you to yield that potential which is on the inside of you. It is designed to demonstrate the incompatibility of your current comfort as a seed with the soil around you. When you are a shell, the soil cannot penetrate. The goodness of the, so- of the soil cannot penetrate. And neither can anything on the inside get out. See, God has placed you where He's placed you because He loves you. The giftings that He's placed in you, He wants the world to see. But unless in that first frost you receive that breaking or that cracking of the outer shell, so that the potential in can come out and the out can come in, then nothing begins to change. No potential begins to get worked out of your life. Now, you could think about those examples that I gave you, and they could happen to you anywhere. You know what? Sometimes people like, come up to me and say, you know what, Just really, you guys are really tough in KT. We are. This is a disciple-making church. It's the way we do things. Why? Because we want to see potential released. I oh, am, yeah, but the church, church, it should be nice, nice. You guys should give me a pat on the back and a warm smile and a free cup of coffee and maybe just a free lunch every now and then. Because you're Christians, aren't you? No, no, be, you, you should, the personal home visit, the personal call, that should happen all the time. And especially you should be led by the Spirit to call me and pray for me concerning the issues in my life supernaturally. Because that's the way that it's supposed to work in church, isn't it? The reality is every single one of those freezing experiences that I laid out for you will happen to you anywhere, no matter if they are the church that wraps you in cotton wool or the church that believes in strong discipleship, if it's a church that smiles and blesses you all the time or the church that prays for you to grow. Because those situations are required and necessary for the release of potential in you, what do I mean? choosing to work through that issue. Choosing where you've received offense or bitterness to respond with forgiveness. When we feel that we've missed it, carrying on with patience and perseverance. When the friendship seems to have failed, maybe considering, did I give into that friendship or was I just taking from that friendship? When the gift that I thought that I had that I wanted to bring to the church didn't get recognized immediately. Recognizing that maybe... God has something about timing that he's going to do in your life. See, working through the first freeze is part of the taking root in a house. It's part of committing to the ground so that you get the full potential. Let me give you an example. I had a guy come up to me one time. He said to me, I'm going to preach on that platform in KT. I said, Great. I'll see if you're still here in six months. Then we'll think about it. I I said six months because I knew he wouldn't last two months. Because for him, I'm gifted, I'm anointed, I'm appointed, God has got to recognize this call, and you must too, and you're gonna let me preach. Okay, just say six months, and then we'll talk about it. Lasted three. As I just shared with myself, if I had got offended with Christian and carried that deep offense in my heart, that freezing experience would have kept me frozen and I would not be here today. Or the person that has gone to a cell, you know what, that cell didn't work out for me. You know what, I was telling my story and, and they just cut me off. How long were you talking for? See, going through that situation, going through that first freeze is part of you now moving beyond I think everything should be crispy and rosy as a Christian to real discipleship issues. And what this is actually about is getting on the inside of you and you figuring out that actually right now I'm not all 100% awesome like I think I am. There might be some stuff that the Lord needs to work out. There might be some issues which the Lord needs to work through me so that my giftings and talents can be a blessing to the body of Christ. Another example for me was that as I was growing, as I was getting uh, more and more passionate about the things of ministry, I began to recognize that I had a value for excellence way above having a value for loving people. And so my, my expectation of people was that you must be excellent. And if you're not excellent, I'm certainly not gonna love you. And so part of my thing that I had to work through personally was, you know what? Jesus said love people, Gabriel. Not, Jesus said, make sure they're excellent. I believe 100% in giving our best to God. But loving people is much more important. And so that was one of my personal issues that I had to go through in dealing with the things that were in my heart, in planting in the ground. How am I going to bring love to the environment that God has placed me in? And the moment you make that decision, the moment you decide, I'm going to face through this first freezing experience, and I'm going to commit to the ground, you begin to put down roots. And you begin to put down roots in such a way that you begin to benefit from the environment. You begin to benefit from what the Lord has placed here in the house. And as you begin to grow, you'll find that there's some other wonderful plants growing up around you. Some wonderful, hopefully spirit-filled, believers. That's the problem with being planted in a house. That's the problem with being planted in a body, is we're not having to grow up with other people around us. If you were to take an independent seed and ask them, what is your purpose, what has God got for your life, they would say, you know what, I'm going to win the millions, I'm going to see the the sick get out of wheelchairs, I'm going to see the demons cast out, I'm going to see amazing, amazing things happen. Okay, okay, I believe you, man, great, where are they? oh yeah, now they're coming, they're coming, God's gonna release them. Okay, okay, but you know, God's surely got one or two or three as demonstration of what he's doing in and through your life. No, 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 no. Just one day, it's gonna happen like that. That's not how the kingdom works. See, the way the kingdom works and has worked right from Jesus through till now is one-on-one discipleship, growing to one-on-twelve discipleship, growing to one-on-120 discipleship, and those 120 then going out and preaching the gospel. And then discipling and discipling. And that's the way that you see the millions, one, through relationship. That's the way that we see things begin to transform in a society. It's through relationship. And so when we're going to be growing up in the house that God has placed us in, we're going to notice those other disciples around us. And we might get a little bit jealous. You know, what? that one's got, a, that's got a, a big leaf. That big leaf is taking over my sh- my son. Where's my son at? I've just got three or four little leaves for that big leaf. Oh, mate, so look, look at that one. That one's already got, that, that's got flowers already. But me, you know, I'm just, you know, I've got seven or eight little, little leaves, and they're just kind of, you know, kind of dinky, and that, you know, they haven't even unfurled yet, and what's going on? You know, I need to get me one of those. I need to get me one of those. And we begin to get obsessed with perhaps coveting other people's goods, or desiring that we should have their giftings. But you see, what this is about is understanding that God has created each one of us unique and individual. And he's placed each one of us with a certain gifting and a specific gift set that he's going to release for our full potential to be realized. And it's how we interact with those around us purposefully on a one-to-one level that will enable us to begin to grow. Now, this illustration maybe breaks down at this point in time a little bit. But when we begin to grow one alongside each other, what happens when one person begins to grow and they started at the same time as us? Maybe they came into the church at the same time, and now they're operating in the gifts of the Spirit, prophesying. They're part of the ministry team on a Sunday night, prophesying. Where am I? You know, I'm praying, praying for that guy to just come to church. We could get offended. That guy's taking up my space. That guy's taking the gifting that I was supposed to have. What's going on here? That's a challenge. What happens when branches begin to grow across each other? Me practicing my freedom with you practicing your freedom. And we're trying to get into the same space. Somebody's going to have to learn how to forgive. Somebody's going to have to learn how to love people that don't seem like they're lovable. And that's the place where we really begin to see what God is doing in us and how we and our giftings and potential are gonna reach the nation. You following me? I hope so. Otherwise, I'll have to think of an example. Sometimes the examples don't just fly off the top of my head. Sometimes I have to think of them. Um, okay, let me, give you a, let me give you a good example. The reason that so many people find themselves out of church or find themselves independent is because they have grown to a position or an assumed position of um, giftings of strength, of capacity, of power. So an example might be the prophet who comes into the house and says, you know what, I've got a word for the church. And the minister says, you know what, I'll hear your word if you'll stick around for six months. No, 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 you must hear my word right now or I'm gone. And in that prophet's mind, it was a clash of power, the pastor of the church versus me as the prophet, and there was a power conflict, and the prophet's assumption was there cannot be two powerful people in the same location, and they leave. Or we might find ourselves in a cell leader, cell member situation scenario, where we come to talk about something. You know, maybe you've decided that you're going to start dating a specific person. And you come to the, your cell leader, and they in all intention, good intention and love for you say, listen, you know what, I know that person, I'm sorry. I just don't think it's going to work out. You do what you want to do, but I just don't think it's going to work out. And the response is, no, you're always trying to tell me what to do, you're always trying to control me. And they end up going off, getting into the relationship, it failing six months, nine months, 10 months, 15 months later, then coming back, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I made a big mistake, it was the worst. And their head's low, and okay, I submit to you. And it seems like the only way it works is if the powerful person wins over the weaker person. The weaker person has to do what the more powerful person says. I went to a place in California. Uh, It's the Yosemite National Park. Right in the south corner of the Yosemite National Park, there uh, is the giant sequoia groves, the giant redwoods. These massive trees—they're the most, they're the biggest volume living beings on the earth. Big red trees, one or two big enough to drive a truck through, except they're now fallen over. Big, big, big beings. Massive red trees, living proximity, close proximity. You know some probably you could find at least 10 within a room this size, and we're talking massive trees. They're big, powerful trees. But you know, if you were to dig underneath those trees, and if you were to see one fall over, fallen over, you'd find that the root system is actually only 8 feet deep. And some of these trees are in excess of 100 feet tall and more. They're big trees. But what happens is this narrow root system goes out through the ground. And the big tree here's root system interlinks with the big tree here's root system, and they support each other. So right across the whole floor, underneath, eight feet deep, uh, is a root system that is knitted together. So almost if one falls over, it destroys the root system of another, which could compromise that tree. Bring that illustration back. Big, powerful tree, big, powerful tree. Big, powerful person, big, powerful person. God wants us as a body to begin to work together so that each one of us, flourishing in our gifts, flourishing in our talents, support one another through the root structure, the love that we share with one another, but we exercise different gifts and different responsibilities for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. It's that mutual interdependence. It's that connection. It's that relationship. It's that depth that holds us to what God has prepared for us. See, the most powerful thing that we can learn as we're growing, as we are beginning to develop in our giftings, is to understand this, that when we are mutually submitted to one another, when we are working in relationship with one another, then we will see this true potential on the inside released. Can't I just do that on my own? Can't I just do that as an individual tree? You know what? If I'd been growing up as an individual tree and nobody had come to me and said, Gabriel, you need to deal with that offense, that one branch which was intended to grow out like this would have been shriveled like this. And there may be another situation that I got into where I didn't trust God for finances. The tree which branch would, could have been like this, believing God that he can provide, by rich, uh, provide according to his riches and glory. Without somebody coming along and saying to me, you know what, you need to believe God in that situation, that branch would be a little branch. Or somebody coming along saying, "You know what? I just think my, my marriage is over." Well, why? Well, you know, just because um, I, I, I've got nothing in me, I don't know how to love, I don't know how to give. Listen, I can take you through some biblical principles which will help you get strong in your marriage, so that you, or, or strong in your faith in Christ, so that you can bring strength to your marriage. If there was no one to challenge that person, that marriage, which could have been a great bow, just gets chopped off. See, all of us need this. We all need this understanding that us contributing to one another, challenging one another in loving relationship, in mutual submission, seeing the purposes of God brought forth in our life. What does that mutual submission thing sound like? What does it actually look like? Because it sounds offensive. When you're growing, when you're growing in the things of God, you're going to find that there are a lot of decisions that you want to make that are of yourself or of the flesh. Some aren't led by the Holy Spirit, much as you would try and tell other people they are, you know, because God said. Mutual submission is bringing those beliefs and opening them up to people around you. People that you trust, not just anyone, but people around you. Your cell leader, your friends who are serious about God, not your friend who's a joker who's trying to take you out to get wasted and be a Christian in the world. And saying to them, listen, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about getting into this relationship. I'm thinking about making this lifestyle change, getting a change of job, moving country. I'm thinking about buying a new house that's way outside London. I'm thinking about these things. What do you think? That's mutual submission. Because when you begin to open things up and dialogue on the issues, then you might find out that you're not the know-it-all that you thought you were don't have the full perspective. Mutually submitting your ideas, your beliefs, your thoughts to one another for challenge, to see if there is an integrity in those issues or not, is what enables you to flourish. Because you might find out some things you just need to leave behind. Some things you just need to surrender. Some things you just need to give up. Some things commit to 100%. Because you've opened them up to discuss them. And the safety in that, the safety in counsel, the safety in the fact that you're sharing with your brothers and sisters. All of those that work together, you maybe get what I'm saying if you think about your own personal situation, but all of those things work together for a purpose. They work together to enable you to grow and to flourish into being a full plant, which carries the full potential of the kingdom of God being worked out. Now, when the next freeze comes along, the next challenge to your faith, the next, you know what, this offense has risen up, or my boss really is beginning to persecute me at work, or this... uh, relationship really is breaking down when you're facing that real freeze you know how to face it because you've done it once twice 300 times before you know how to forgive you know how to stand strong in faith you know how to believe god in different situations you can face the changing seasons but much more than that you begin to bear fruit if i was to think about it i began life in kensington temple as a seed and I tried to stay as a seed for probably six months or more, until that point in time when I decided that I needed to commit to the soil. And from that till today, there has been a process in my life, just like there has been a process in your life. There's been a process of working through offense. There's been a process of dealing with challenges of faith. There's been a process of, of feeling like friends had abandoned me or let me down. There's been a process of relationships getting together and breaking up. There had been a process. But if you were to take the illustration to its conclusion, right now I get to preach and share things which hopefully encourage and edify people and enable them to grow in their own faith. See, that's where the Lord calls each one of us to is to become trees which bear fruit, which bring glory to God and enable p- other people to step into their full potential. That's what God wants you to do. That's what he wants you to be. He wants you to be like that little tree that he spoke about in Luke 13, 18. He said, the kingdom of God... Is like a mustard seed, which a man takes and plants in his garden, and it grows and becomes a large tree, and the birds of the air nest in its branches. It is my firm belief that this happens when we flourish, are planted, and flourish in the place where God has put you. And so my challenge to you today is, if you're here and you still feel nomadic put your roots down somewhere if you're here and you've decided this is your church look out for the first freeze and recognize you need to handle that first freeze by applying the principles of scripture when you're going through the different growth processes of your life allow other people to come along to challenge you so that you can flourish appropriately now by other people i mean People that are in relationship with the body, cell leaders, other cell members, not just the random dude who walks in up off the street and up to you and goes, the angels are around you. <laughs> and as you do that, you'll see things begin to happen in you. Everything that is on the inside that you know is there and some stuff that you don't know is there is going to be brought out and it's going to be used for the maturing, the strengthening of not just yourself, but those around you. Those people that God calls you to have influence with. Flourishing, bearing fruit, your prayer getting answered. You're seeking God, seeing breakthrough. That's what He wants to happen in your life. But it's in the house. It's responding to the place where He's planted you. There's so much in Kensington Temple that I don't even believe that we've begun to dig into that depth that is available here. But will you join me? Will you join us in what we're doing here? Because we believe that God is calling us as a church, as a local expression of the body of Christ, to see London transformed. need to get planted. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I ask, Father, for every person, Lord Jesus, the potential on the inside of them that is dying to get out, that is bursting to get out. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you would take every willing heart through the process. Lord, the process of committing to the soil, of beginning to put down roots, of beginning to grow and flourish. Lord, the first branches that begin to grow and the the first challenges of faith that they begin to experience. Lord, that that tree would begin to grow big branches and bear fruit. Lord, I thank you for each person here, Lord, that they have something to contribute, that they are like that giant sequoia. They have something to contribute to one another as they exercise the giftings that you placed on the inside of them. Lord, that you'd raise up the entirety of KT, Lord, as a people that are fully committed to the purpose here. Lord, that we wouldn't think about transplanting ourselves, only being led by your spirit as appropriate when it is time and season for the transplanting to occur. But in the time that we're here to be planted and committed to the purposes you have for us. Lord, we bless you for flourishing and for fruit as we get deeper in your word, as we get stronger in Christ-likeness, as we become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, yeah. God bless you. Thanks. Um, Five o'clock, I'll be back, talking about is pride robbing you of the purposes of God in your life? I'm sure none of you have a pride issue, so I won't look out for any of your faces in the next service. But five o'clock, and then seven o'clock we have Uh, Richard Taylor back for the Holy Spirit Ministry Service. So I hope you enjoy yourselves in the sun. God bless you and see you very soon. And if you want to join us to celebrate Harry, it's 10.30 on Wednesday here in KT.